Hey, how you doing, Ignite City? Hey, I wanted to share something from uh, John chapter 4. Uh, was part of this morning's Bible reading, along with, I think it was Job 36 to 39, I think was what was today. Um, but out of John chapter 4, and it kind of blew my mind that when you read uh, the passages out of Job and out of John 4, you read them together, how you see how the scriptures come together, how the Holy Spirit brings things together. And so in John chapter 4, Jesus is sitting by um, by a well in Samaria. His disciples have gone off to find food. And while he's there, uh, a woman uh, shows up about noon, which was unheard of in that day. Um, most women, when they would go get water from the well, they would go early in the morning to beat the heat. Uh, but she went on her own um, at noon and and. And you'll see when you get to verse 16, when Jesus said, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands and the one you have is not your husband. Um, that she has a reputation in the community. Um, and she's looked down upon in the community. And so she goes by herself to the well. But isn't it beautiful that at the well, God incarnate, Jesus, the son of God, the son of man, actually engages her in conversation. Um, and asked her for a drink of water, and it kind of blow it kind of blows her mind. And she actually looks at him in, in verse nine and says, "How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria?" And then John explains why the question would be asked and puts in parentheses in verse nine, uh, "For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." And then Jesus's answer was pretty pretty amazing. Jesus answered her answered her, "If you knew the gift of God." Who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Friends, in my Bible, I highlighted the three words, if you knew. Uh, and there's two things. If you knew the gift of God, what it is that God wants to give to her. Uh, and, what, and I think we, the application for us is this. If we knew the, the life that God wants to give us in Jesus, forgiveness and restoration and relationship with God and righteous standing before God and purpose and being felt and being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and love, joy, peace, and all the things that come with knowing God. If you knew the gift that God wanted to give, and then he says, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. Friends, I think that is so important. And so when you flip over to Job, remember if, you, if you've been in the Bible reading plan and, you're, and you've caught up um, to where we are today, You've noticed there's times where Job is kind of saying things like, you know what, I haven't done anything. And if, and if God were right here, I would, I'd present my case. It's kind of like we're going to go to court and I'm going to explain why it is that I'm innocent. Um, and he has some quest or he has some um, questions that he needs to answer. Um, and so he has those moments where he's being honest before God and then God answers him back. And I'm actually really impressed with, there's a guy named, a young man named um, Elihu, I don't know if you say it that way, but Elihu, where he actually is, um, he's speaking to Job and he's doing it, he's speaking truth, uh, but it seems like he's doing it respectfully, uh, unlike Job's three other friends that just kind of ripped into him and got hyper defensive and really kind of spoke error about God. Uh, but Elihu was saying things about who God is. He's reminded, like in verse five of chapter 36, behold, God is mighty. And does not despise any. He is mighty in strength and understanding. Um, when you get to verse 36, behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. When you go uh, over to verse or chapter 37, verse 5, God thunders wondrously with his voice. Um, he does great things that we cannot comprehend. 
Um, and so you, you see him explaining who God is. Even in chapter 37, verse 22 um, and 23 says, God is clothed with awesome majesty. The, the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is great in power, justice and abundant righteousness. He will not violate. And so Elihu kind of sets the stage and then God speaks to Job. And it says in verse 1, that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. And what a question to ask. Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Where would Why would God bring that statement up? Well, when you look at that um, words without knowledge, if you go back to chapter 34, uh, verse 35, it says... Um, where, let's see who's speaking this. I think this is still Eli who is speaking. And he says, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without insight. He's quoting someone there. And then you get to chapter 38 where and verse 2 where God actually uses that same concept. Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And then you notice certain things, certain, certain ways that God starts asking Job questions. And this is not a time where he's... Um, really encouraging Job. He's actually confronting him and terrifying him. And so in verse four, he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Um, and you get to verse 12 of chapter 38. Have you commanded the morning? Verse 16, have you entered into the springs of the deep? Uh, verse 17, are the gates of death been revealed to you? Verse 18, have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Uh, verse 22, have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Um, even asked in verse 24, what is the way to the place where the light is distributed? But when you look at these questions, where were you when I laid the foundation? But especially, have you, and in verse 12, verse 16, have you, verse 17, have you, verse 18, have you, verse 22, have you, uh, twice it's mentioned in verse 22. And he continues just kind of grilling them. And then he says in verse 31, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? And I think he's speaking about uh, the starry hosts. Again, in 32, can you twice? Verse 33, do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Verse 34, can you lift up your voice to the clouds? Verse 35, can you send forth lightnings? Verse 39, can you hunt the prey for the lion? That's even, when you think about that, God is even feeding the lions, that God is providing for lions. Um, you even see in verse 41, who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help? So when you hear birds that are chirping or baby birds who are hungry, they're actually crying out to God and God, according to God, this is God speaking to Job, and God is providing the food to mama raven to go back and to, and to provide for her, for her babies. But it's those phrases, can you, can you, do you know, do you know? And friends, when I started looking at that, and I come back to verse uh, in chapter 4, verse 10 of John, and Jesus answered her and said, if you knew. And friends, I think it's so important for us to remember this. When Jesus says, if you knew, and I don't think he's irritated with her. I think he's actually just explaining truth. And I think if we come back to that, those three little words, I think it does something for us. Uh, if you knew. So I think the first one, it brings about humility. So when we realize who we are compared to who Jesus is, man, humility should become the norm that we're living in. It also brings about encouragement and hope that if you're going through something difficult, it's like maybe you're praying and then Jesus goes, man, if you really knew who I was, man, there's hope that comes with that. It also brings about confidence in prayer that because I know who God is based upon what he's revealed in his word, I can go to him confidently in prayer and ask 
And I think that's important when you continue on in chapter 4, verse 10 of John. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. That's important, friends. Instead of declaring or demanding, I feel like maybe sometimes a lot of our prayer life is kind of comes to demanding from God. Notice it's the word ask. It's, I mean, throughout, throughout many parts of the Gospels, Jesus is talking about just ask. Anything that you ask for in my name, it's yours. And to say, to say that in my name, he's saying according to God's will. But anything you ask, just ask and you'll receive. Friends, asking is different than saying, I pray that you would. It's a declaration of what God should do. And I've, I've been convicted and maybe and some, some might say, well, there's no really, this is not a big deal with this, but I, I wonder if there is. Because when I say, I pray that you would, I'm not asking him. I'm, I'm just making a statement. And so what I've done lately is I've changed it from, I pray that you would, and I actually just ask, God, would you, or will you please? And actually saying, please, and will you do these things? Because I think, I think there's something different between those two statements. But I have this confidence in prayer. I can still ask with confidence. I can go before him in confidence and know that because of Jesus and because of what God is like, I'm forgiven and righteous standing before him, which comes, which then brings me to the beauty of the identity that I have in Jesus. Forgiven, righteous, filled by the Holy Spirit, child of God, uh, no longer seen as sinners, a sinner, yet I am sinner. I still struggle with my flesh just like every single person. But to know that my identity is child of God, man, that changes everything. It also brings about this heartfelt worship as we know who God is and what he's like. And so when I when I read that and I thought, okay, so if you knew, and then when you go through uh, chapter four, you'll get to verse 11. It says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. But she uses the, the, the word sir, it goes down to verse 15. Uh, the woman said to her, sir, and then verse 19, because Jesus called her out on her on her lifestyle, said, hey, you should go call your husband in verse 16. She's like, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right in saying that you don't have a, have a husband. You've had five, and the one that you now have is not your husband. And so it could have been that she was married and cheating on her husband, or that she wasn't married, but she was she was sleeping with somebody and pretending like she's married, quote unquote. And so he calls her out on it. There's no way that he should have known this. And in verse 19, the woman said to her, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And so now she's starting to, uh, she's starting to see that he's someone different than just another person uh, that, you, that you would just address with just a, a statement of respect. And Jesus begins to speak to her and speak into her life. And then you get to verse 25. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And he reveals himself as the promised Messiah. And now she's, and, and yet she's still wondering because you get down to verse 29. Can this be the Christ? Because she went back home. After all this happened, she's blown away. She's marveling at who Jesus is. She leaves the bucket that she had to bring water back. She leaves it right there. And she runs back to town. And she tells everyone in verse 29, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Think about it. What she just said, she said, come and, come and see someone who knows every dark secret that I have. Come and see him. Come and meet him. In other words, if you come and meet him, he might be able to tell you every dirty secret that you've had. And yet it brought her freedom. The friends, when we know that God knows everything about us, we can then come before him honestly. And it brings about freedom. I'm not, I don't have to, I don't have to 
uh, portray myself as someone that I'm not. I can actually know that I'm accepted and loved and adored by God. I'm in right standing because of Jesus. And I can be honest. I can say, this is where I'm at. And I know that you know me. And this blows my mind, right? I can be like that before God. And that should excite me to make sure that other people get to hear that same thing, that I can say, hey, man, you should come meet this Jesus that I know. He knows everything about me. And then I could continue it. He knows everything about me and yet is inviting. He's invited me into relationship. He's invited me to eternal life. He's invited me to be restored by God, righteous standing before the Father. All these things we can push to, we can push toward them. We can we can. We can present it and say, you should know this Jesus. But the fact that Jesus knew everything about her did not keep her from wanting to know Jesus herself first. But second, she wanted everyone else to meet him as well. And then all of a sudden, it said in verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman. Uh, Verse 41, many more believed because of his word. And so you see this, when you read all of chapter four, you you realize that belief in Jesus is a major theme um, it's a major theme within the, the chapter. And then you see it again with another with another person, not the woman at the well, she's gone, the Samaritan woman. She there, Now there's this story starting in verse 46 where Jesus heals an official son. And, and when you get to uh, verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. He calls her, he calls him sir, just like the Samaritan woman did. And it's weird. Why wouldn't Jesus say, if you knew who you were speaking to? But he doesn't. He just simply says this, go, your son will live. And it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Even though he calls him sir, a sign of respect, there was something about what Jesus said. And there was something about Jesus's reputation because Uh, The man had heard that Jesus had shown up. And so he goes back and he finds out that his son uh, was healed. And then you look at verse 53 at the end of it. And it says, he himself believed in all his household. Friends, that's what happens. And that's the goal. That's what we want. He believed in Jesus because he recognized Jesus for who he was. Friends, when we take Job and Job and God is looking at Job going, can you do this? Can you do this? Where were, you, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Are you able to do? Are you able? Can you? Can you? Guys, when we are confronted with who God is, it's then we'll, we'll ask him humbly. Our prayer life has changed. Our humility. We're encouraged. We're hope-filled. We have confidence in prayer. Our worship becomes more uh, more passionate and real rather than just a duty that we actually just feel like we have to do because we call ourselves Christians. Friends, it starts with what do we think about God, but it's not, hey, this is my preference. It's what has God revealed to us so that we are thinking correctly about him. Friends, when you take Job and you take John and you bring it together and you see, man, God, you take your whole word and you blend it and it's all pointing to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Friends, I hope this is an encouragement to you. Hang in there with the Bible reading plan. Uh, keep hanging in there and spending time with the Lord in, in prayer and in his word. Man, he just will open up things to us as we continue. Love you guys more than you know, and we'll see you later.